What's up, everybody? Welcome to Leaders of Lifestyle, a podcast all about real estate, sports, and entertainment. Take a deep dive with me into the world of high-end lifestyle and get exposed to the different leaders behind the scenes of it all. So let's get right into it. Welcome, everybody, to Leaders of Lifestyle podcast. I'm your host, Michael Ferrara, where we meet and talk with some of the absolute best in the world of lifestyle, sports, entertainment, and of course, real estate. And we have an amazing special guest with us today, one of my co-agents, one of the best in the business from Compass. We have Shelly Treader lynch And just to le- read a little bit about Shelly so that the people who are not watching get to hear, um, Shelly is considered one of the top real estate professionals in Greenwich, Connecticut, and lower Fairfield County, really. Uh, She joined Compass as a founding member of the Greenwich office. She's got over 25 years of experience with properties from backcountry to waterfront communities. She's consistently representing some of the most finest real estate properties and clients in Greenwich and the United States. She was recently with another big firm as a senior global advisor and one of the top half 1% of that company worldwide. She's been acknowledged by the Wall Street Journal as one of the top 50 agents in the United States for dollar and volume and in the who's who for residential real estate in North America and noted by the Real Deal as one of the top five brokers in Westchester County and in Connecticut for the year 2017 and has even grown bigger than that. So our guest for today is Shelly Treader Lynch. Thank you so much for being on with us, Shelly. Thank you, Michael, for having me. I really appreciate it. This is fun. Good for you. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. I mean, it, it's a, it's an honor to be on with you. Uh, we are uh, co-agents uh, with Compass, and one of the big reasons that I'm with Compass is to be associated working with and talking with agents like yourself who are just mm-hmm. icons in the business. So, so much to talk about. Let's get right into it. The biggest question that I get um, is how is the market? Because that's like the thing that's easiest for people to ask us and, and bring up because they want to know. So when I ask that question of you, I'm, I'm talking specifically about the high-end market coming out of this crazy 2020 market and into the 2021 world that we're now in, um, the slowing down of the pandemic market. So the luxury market, Connecticut, Northeast, what are you seeing? How's it going? So um, as you stated, I've been in this market for a very long time, Um, actually a little over 28 years now. um, I was at Sotheby's International Realty for 25 years and then moved over as one of the founding members of the Greenwich Compass office. Mm -hmm. Um, And I did that at a time when the market was still quite slow and challenging. Um, So it'll be three years in November that I had made the move over and it's been phenomenal, quite honestly. Uh, The transition has been phenomenal at Compass. Um, the market now is at a level that I have honestly never seen before. Um, and the reason is because the amount, the dollar volume of, of deals that are being done at the moment, um, we really haven't seen that before at this level. You know, we've certainly had a busy market. 2006 um, was an incredibly busy market. But the dollars that are trading are, are at a level, you know, to see properties trading in the high teens, um, over 20 million, 25 million, 45 million. You know, these are numbers that Greenwich simply has not seen before. You know, March was um, a scary time for everyone. So the market still wasn't strong. It was actually quite weak. And uh, we had so many people coming out wanting to rent 
and these crazy numbers that were being, you know, established for rental properties were, uh, again, something we hadn't seen before. And so we had taken, you know, I did a lot of gratis rentals. I did a lot with my clients who've had properties on the market for a long time. We didn't really know what was going to happen, you know, in three more months if the market was going to stop down. And, you know, so we did, we actually did a lot of these rentals month, two months, three months. And that really continued through the summer of 2020 at the higher level, at that luxury level, which is primarily what I've always concentrated in, but I do everything, you know, so I do $500,000 condos and I'll do $25 million, you know, sales in Greenwich um, and higher outside of the area. So it just depends on what my client or customer is looking for at the time. Um, they're all really important to me. And at that moment in time, what was important was to kind of protect my clients who had properties that were vacant um, to rent them. And so we got them crazy numbers for rent. And, um, you know, again, I think right. the people who were renting, most of them out of the city, really did think that this was going to recover after the summer. And so it didn't. But the more and more families that decided to stay in the city um, in an urban environment, maybe dual income uh, families and to raise their kids there, we, st we started to lose that transition of the natural attrition into Greenwich or to a suburban situation. Um, and Greenwich is very sophisticated as a suburban situation, if you want to refer to it as that. But, um, you know, so that had stopped. So we didn't have that, you know, again, that natural um, attrition into Greenwich over the years. What has happened since the pandemic, most of those younger families have decided that they do want to be in an area where there's grass, there are trees, there's some privacy, there's security. Right. Um, it, right. It's becoming more highlighted now and it's important to them. So that has happened, um, you know, it started happening just as the rental properties and then the sales uh, between, you know, below a million or a million to three million um, in March of 2020. But in August, September of 2020, people really realized that their life, and in this case being Manhattan, um, also in LA, you know, they're just different areas, San Francisco, which are all amazing cities, uh, that for them, they wanted something a little bit different. And we just haven't experienced the influx at such a rapid rate that we have right now. Right. And it has continued. So in August, September 2020, we started to see the luxury, the higher end properties um, come on the market and go to contract. Even the properties that had been on for, gosh, you know, in some cases it could have been years they were on and off the market. Maybe yeah. they took them off for a short well, period. We were looking at 400% increase in property sales over $5 million. You know, it's just yeah. things that, you know, the, when I was trained, you know, for 16, 17, 18, that's, you know, just be prepared. This is going to take a year, you know, is this contract mm -hmm. now, this is a real deal, you know, it's the, it's the real deal. It, it's the real deal. And, you know, thank goodness. Cause people have really, they've invested a lot in their lifestyle in, in Connecticut. You know, I don't just, just do Greenwich. I primarily do Greenwich, but I also do all of um, Connecticut, especially at the higher range because of my global reach and my marketing that I do. And so I was seeing deals that were um, taking place at such high levels in different communities. And I thought, wow, you know, finally good for them, good for all of these sellers that they're, you know, able to realize what they should have given the um, dollars that they've put into maintaining their homes, um, you know, and living a great lifestyle. And I think more and more people have now found that moving to Greenwich is 
such a positive or whatever, you know, suburb they're mo moving to right now in Connecticut, the tax situation is still better than, you know, the yeah. tax situation yeah. in New York State, New York City. Um, but again, people have their own, you know, reasons for moving, um, but they do want a place that they can escape to. You know, so in, in 2020, August, September, you know, we found that luxury end, you know, for 4 million, 5 million and up um, start to trade. Yep. And it's just gotten higher. The numbers have actually gotten higher. You know, everyone's thinking, when is it going to stop? I don't think it's ever going to stop. It could slow down. Yep. It has maybe slowed down a little bit right now just because of the lack of inventory yep. that we have. Um, and, you know, and another thing that's happening a little bit is there are some sellers who are putting their properties on um, excessively high. Right. Because this is, um, you know, taking place. But those properties aren't going to sell. They're going to go through their own, um, you know, kind they're of going to create. They're going to create the inventory. That I'd always looked at a natural progression of a plateau because the market wasn't built on some false thing. We're going to have a crash. Real estate doesn't. It's not a speedboat. You don't have that. It's a Titanic. It takes while for the trends to happen. So you're going to have this situation right now. And I'm agreeing with you completely. I saw the same thing where it was just like the same mm -hmm. thing where that market was going to then go through the cycle of needing to plateau so the inventory can build up. But what's interesting about what <laughs> you're talking about is that, and I find fascinating is that I had a, uh, we had Fred Camillo, the mayor, uh, the first selectman of Greenwich on, we were going through all the different stuff that he was working on to build up Greenwich before 2020 ever happened. We were talking about all the different policies mm -hmm. and how great Greenwich is and how much value it is. And it's interesting that the smart money has found what we knew all along, which how valuable Greenwich was, mm -hmm. like with all the reasons that you're talking about, because Greenwich gives the ability to be by the water, you can be by the beach, you can have close to town, you can have backcountry, malls, everything. And mm -hmm. I did have a question for you on this topic, the trend, the trend that you are finding of buyer demo that is buying a lot of the higher end properties, not even just you know, the family stuff, but um, location-wise, everybody would think New York City, Hamptons. Is that what you're finding? Or are you finding different trends of buyer demo? Uh, I'm definitely finding different trends. Um, we've actually had, so, so, you know, as you mentioned, Manhattan, without a doubt, um, are people that are coming into Greenwich. A lot of people are coming into Greenwich that have places in the Hamptons. And um, maybe they want to keep that place in the Hamptons, but they still want to have a place in Greenwich because the Hamptons year round doesn't have the infrastructure that Greenwich does. And I right. think people found going through last summer that they wanted to have a community that, you know, had the educational system in place, had cool. the ability, yeah. you know, for cultural events. Right. And it's not just, and, and it's the access to the city, you know, so if you're a surgeon or if you're in finance and you don't have to go in five days a week, but you could go in three days you know, maybe you want to commute from Greenwich or someplace else in Connecticut versus going to the Hamptons. So we have found that a lot of a lot of the young families, even if they have had a place in the Hamptons, maybe they've sold that for different reasons or they've kept it and they've still bought, you know, something in Greenwich. I've had um, clients who have purchased from me from L.A., you know, because of what's going on in that state. Um, in California and in Brentwood and that whole area. And some of them have homes in the Hamptons, but they still wanted their full-time place to be Greenwich. Um, one person in New Canaan. 
but so I think, you know, it, it's really relevant. It's relevant based on, um, you know, Greenwich has been listed as one of the safest or the safest city in the country for 60,000 residents or less. Um, and that has been over the last few years, it's been, you know, represented that way, you know, so Greenwich offers a lot. It, it offers, um, a community and a community of maybe like-minded international people who want diversity, you know, they want diversity at every level and Greenwich has always offered that, but I think it's more important now because maybe they're not finding that in the cities that they're coming from. So um, we are on the map again. We were years ago with, you know, even international buyers, um, you know, the people coming from Russia, um, coming from Asia, you know, and always Europe and, you know, in the UK in particular. But I think right now, because of the international um, availability to people, it's become more of a target of where they really want to raise their kids and spend right. time. And I think, right. I, I do, it's, you know, it's beautiful here, as you know, it's really, you know, it offers something for everyone. Fred Camillo has done such a great job. I'm such a proponent of Fred. I think he's, um, he's, he's, you know, making changes that aren't always, you know, um, perceived by everyone. You can't have everyone's approval a hundred percent. You have to do yeah. what you think is right in the long term. He, you know, he comes from Greenwich and, you know, he's, he's really good at what he does. Yeah. I think we're all very lucky to have him right now. And, um, so there are changes being made, you know, and I drive down Greenwich Avenue, I mean, on Saturday, every other car had a New York license plate. Right. And I thought, wow, we're just, it's its just very different. And these are people who are now moving here. It's not just someone driving over from, you know, Rye yeah. or Larchmont um, wanting to you know, go to one of the restaurants. These are people who are now kind of cemented into the community. So, yeah. Well, so, so you're 100% right. Um, spot on. That's an amazing take on the market. Yeah. Uh, I would expect nothing less. <laughs> it's perfect. Mm -hmm. Um, so mm -hmm. let's kind of, uh, talk a little bit about, um, some of the things now in the weeds of the real estate, uh, game that we're in and the, the, and selling of real estate. Mm -hmm. So for you, you have been ultra successful in this field. Um, what are some of the things just, just for you, like, what are some of the things that have kind of been helped you be so successful in this field what are some of the things that you know what you have to be good in these things if you want to work with the very best of the best and what are those some of the things that you have that have kind of made you get to that level so um you know i i've been really fortunate to play in that arena um and it's but as you know it's very difficult there's nothing easy about any level of the market um i think the more money someone is spending, potentially, um, the harder it could be. People think a large transaction is just as easy as a smaller transaction. They're all difficult for different reasons, but I think the demand of some of the clients who are, you know, rock stars in their industries, whatever that industry is, um, they expect to be, to have, you know, information that is you know, quick and available and you need to be available. You need to have someone available and they expect really you, you know, I have people working with me. I don't have a team per se. 
And I think it's really hard because when you're representing someone on either side, either a listing um, of one of these rock stars um, or you're helping them buy something, they really do want to talk to you. You know, they want your experience. They want to know why they should do X, Y, or Z. You know, and I've had people that um, are so incredibly successful. And the reason they're so successful is, A, they're great at what they do, but then they also um, delegate, you know, different areas of their life to people who they consider to be experts in that field. And I do know what I'm doing in real estate. Um, you know, I'm very careful with people. If I don't know something, I'll find out and let them know, you know, things change all the time. Rules and regulations change all the time. Just in Greenwich, the town regulatory agencies change, you know, um, and all of these things you need to keep up with. But there could be a moment where maybe you don't have that very specific information and you find out and you get back to them right away. Um, I take it very seriously. You know, this is whether they're buying, selling. This is one of the biggest assets that anyone can make in their in their lifetime, um, whether it's a million dollar house or a twenty five million dollar house. These are these are the most important assets uh, to most people that I work with, and so how I deal with it, the information I give them, uh, the timeliness of it, the advice I give yeah. them. You know, there's there's a part of this that you just it goes through experience. Um, you can't just read it in a book. You know, you have to go through all of the details. Each experience is different. Um, but I think the most important thing is, you know, I'm very honest with them about everything. I would rather, you know, my first, um, my first question and thought when I'm selling something to a client is what's the exit strategy. Mm. So where some people might be, you know, pay this and you'll get it, you know, I could say pay this and you'll get it, but you know, know that you may lose $1.2 million in five years. If you add X, Y, and Z and double the size of the house, you're not necessarily going to um, make that money back. So I'm very careful with the information that I give them. Um, you know, strategy is so important. And so the exit strategy is just as important as getting the house mm. itself. Um, and I've had some clients say, look, you know what? I could lose it anywhere. I'd rather be in this house with my family, enjoy the next 15 years. No one has a crystal ball. Um, and so, and you can also use all the, you know, all the metrics from years past as to what's going to happen, but you don't know who, who would have ever thought a pandemic would, you know, take place. Greenwich would soar, um, to levels that were, you know, beyond what people had anticipated right. years ago. So I think you just, you don't know, but you just have to play it safe. And as long as they have the information, they can make that decision. Yeah. Um, because some people you know, do have that kind of money where they're okay if they lose a little bit. Others, um, they want to have a safety net and they want to make sure that whatever they do, they're going to get back or they're going to um, profit from it. And so that's a whole other strategy. And it just depends on what your what your client or customer is looking to do. I tell people all the time, I think that- But you need to be honest with yeah. them. Yeah. Oh, no, you have to be honest with them because there's nothing worse than mm -hmm. saying, hey, I'm just going to take this listing. I'm just going to give you this number. I'm just trying to try to make this sale. It never goes- that's never the way you want to play with people no. who have expectations and at no. that level. They're too smart for that. No. And, and I live in this community. And so I, I, um, you know, I could put my head on my pillow at night yeah. and know that um, <laughs> I gotta I've done the right I got to go to the store and you know, no. people are going to see me.
That's right. You yeah. know, that's right. I want to be able to have a nice relationship. And I do. I mean, I would say, you know, 95% of my clients, I continue a relationship with them. Um, some of them have become my dearest friends. And, um, you know, because all these experiences that you have with them, you do, you have a bond right. um, because it's, you know, you're not just showing a house. Right. I mean, I guess you can just show house, but that's not what I do. You know, I roll out the whole package and I do whatever I can to make sure that, you know, everyone feels comfortable and that they have all the information before they make a step forward. This is one of the th my favorite things about doing this podcast is that when I get to talk to agents at your caliber, at your level, there is such a clear distinction as to why you have been one of the best of the best. Because in our field, we have to be marketing experts. We have to be analysts of the market. Mm -hmm. We have to be an HR mm -hmm. department. We have to be a financial advisor at times, a psychologist, and we have to be mm -hmm. a lot of them. And when we work with very, very high-end clients, you have to be all those at once and the best of those fields. And I think that mm -hmm. what's amazing about you is you could tell me the, you know, the months of inventory, the market trends, but you all could also could tell me the latest marketing mm -hmm. techniques that would need to be done using a lot of the the compass tools that we could use for overseas buyers and how to get it in front of them. But you can also tell us about the financial Absolutely. exit strategies or how to maintain the property. And I mean, that level of expertise mm -hmm. is what the best of the best. So when people ask me like, how do I get to that level? You well, you it takes time. And you have to grow, but it does take time. Like you're, you're hundred percent correct. It takes time. I mean, you know, some people may walk in and get lucky for a few sales, but to have consistency over the years, it's about determination, perseverance, um, integrity, and you need you need to be able to pull yourself up all the time because you know in one day you could have um, the greatest disappointment in a situation in real estate, and then you can turn around and get you know maybe one of your biggest deals done you know three hours later. So you just don't know. I mean, you have to give yourself a chance to kind of go through all those emotions, even though you don't really have time to, but but you need mm -hmm. to because it's still it's still hard. You know when you're you know when you're hit it one more time, right, you know, and, and you fall to the ground and something doesn't work out and you're incredibly disappointed, I don't care how long you've been in it. I mean, this is business to me. So I can separate a lot of things now. Um, when I first entered the business, it was very personal, you know, and you just realize quickly that that can't happen. You need yeah. to move as quickly as your clients and customers are. There's no time, um, to feel sorry for yourself. There's no time. You, you just need to keep moving forward because every day offers a new opportunity. And that's actually what the greatest thing about this business is. I love the fact that you're not dealing with the same people every single day. I love that you come into the office and you're dealing with your like circle of love every day, you know, and the people yeah. who support yeah. you every day. But then you go out in the world and you are working with some of the most amazing, fascinating people that you could ever, you know, think to, to meet with and a variety of them because so many um, people, whatever their industry is, they will meet a lot of other people that are maybe greatly successful, but maybe in the same industry. Right. But here we're always, um, you know, immersed within all different industries and different people who my I'm always curious about, you know, how did you get successful? You know, what happened? And because I do, yeah. I find their stories so fascinating. 
Yeah. I mean, that's so, what they want, you know, to talk about that. I, yeah. Yeah. You know, I, I, I think so that leads mm-hmm. me That's a perfect segue. It's almost like you knew it, but it's a perfect segue to lead into a, a couple of questions that I have for you here um, to learn a little bit more about you and kind of get into that. So one of the questions is, uh, what would you say you're, you're up to this point, your, your biggest professional real estate challenge or hurdle that you had to overcome to kind of get a deal something that maybe was like well this is going to be really big well oh this is a huge hurdle and how did you overcome that to close the deal out i think well i think i think you deal with you know as the years go on there are different hurdles so what might have been a really big hurdle um, seven years ago or eight years ago is a different hurdle today, given what's going on in the world and, you know, with um, monies being available or not being available. So I think every day there is a new challenge. And so I do think you need to think quickly on your feet. You need to be able to research things immediately. Um, there, there are always challenges. I am, you know, I will go in and I, and I have a lot of information, but depending on who I'm working with, how that works with them can be different with everyone Mm -hmm. and trying to strategize. I love the deal itself. I love the negotiation part of it. I love trying to be creative with a client or a customer, whether I'm selling them a house or listing their house, whether it's, you know, through some creative financing means or, um, you know, things that were done that weren't done at the time. I'm always a little bit forward on that because I just like new and different things. Um, And so I'm, I'm always kind of on the edge of what's, of what's going on with all of that. But, you know, I remember um, I was having a really hard time. This was years ago and it was about 15 years ago. And I had a property that was on for $6 million, my listing, Mm -hmm. and I ended up selling it to my buyer. And, you know, I had to do a financial um, analysis for both parties because, you know, why would they take this, the sellers? I mean, it was a great offer, by the way. Why would they take this? Well, you know, that amount of money and all these different accounts, you know, whatever kind of an account they could have had. So I just, I gave them a whole chart um, of how much money they would make by selling this. And then I did the same thing with the buyer, knowing his background. Um, And it was just, it was a really good deal for both sides. And they ended up being incredibly happy about it. And you know, I remember when it went through, I just thought, wow, you know, it was, it was so much, had nothing almost to do with just a simple negotiation. There was so much more to it. Um, very, very seldom do you get a buyer or a seller that just does the deal yeah. just because, and you, you get really lucky you have it on for three days and, you know, here it goes. I have gone through the ups and downs of, you know, multiple listings, um, that had been on and off price reductions, um, you know, and with buyers, what they're looking for, maybe they tell you they can spend three, they can really spend 12 right. million. Okay. You, know, you don't right. know you want it. And so you, you just, you, it's, it's a lot of work. It is a lot of work. And I think maybe what, you know, you do really well and what I do really well is that, um, we don't show that it's a lot of work. We just get it done. Yeah. And I think when you can add that energy into every person you're with, they appreciate it and it makes it look a little bit easy. Um, but we all know it's not, oh, I think yeah. we, we, we really do, you know, earn <laughs> whatever, um, whatever we do. Um, but, there, but to solidify, you may have done all the work and then you still not, may not do yeah. the deal and it has nothing to do with you. Mm-hmm. Um, it just could be circumstance yeah. or, 
the seller decides not to sell, you know, after all of that. And so I think there has to be balance. I think we all work so hard, such long hours. And I, I think we have a hard time and I have a hard time balancing everything sometimes. Um, you just, you just have to find a way to do it almost every day. I mean, when someone says they have a, you know, um, a cheat sheet of life and you know, this is what they do. And I don't know. I, I'm like, wow. Yeah, I, I think, wow, I mean, you know, let me see yeah, that right. um, because every day it's different. Because you get up thinking you're going to do X, Y, and Z every day, and it turns into a completely different um, situation. Yeah. But I do love what I do. I do. I love I love what I do. Um, some days I love it more than others, <laughs> depending on what's going on in the market. Um, but I try to create an experience around everything I do because for me, it makes it more interesting and then I know in the end, it's made it more interesting for my clients and customers. Got it. It's just that All extra, right. whatever it is, you know, that you do. Yeah, that little boost. Exactly. Well, you have it. You're, that little I mean, boost. anybody who's in real estate or wants to get to the next level, you need. they need to be paying attention and listening to you and watching you. Um, so you, uh, I, I want to go to some questions uh, again here um, that... Uh, that are kind of just like rapid fire questions, if that's okay. Sure. Okay. So, um, first question, uh, we kind of talked, we, we talked about, but I don't, I mean, all right, this is the big, the big one of all the rapid fire questions. So would you say professionally or personal, what's your, what's your biggest professional or personal achievement? I think, um, so I'm, I'm always about like little successes and little achievements along the way. Mm-hmm. And I think um, what I have a hard time doing is someone will say, oh, go out and celebrate this deal or that deal or, um, you know, have champagne. And I never really celebrate the deals because I'm always thinking I've got to work on my next deal. You know, I it's very hard for me to like sit back and I and I need to learn to do that. Yeah. Um, so with business, I think my success, it's not just one success. It's just knowing that my clients are happy, you know, and I am doing the right thing by them. Um, but on a personal level, it's my family. You know, I am, um, I love my friends, you know, friends, you, you know, they help your soul. Actually, you need to have your friendships and spend time with people, but my family, I just, I feel like being able to give back to them in different ways, um, especially my son, you know, having been uh, divorced um, from his dad when he was really young. So my goal was, you know, creating a life as though I wasn't divorced. And so that's probably my physic, you know, my biggest success to me personally, um, traveled with him all over the world you know, because we didn't have a normal ski house in Vermont, you know, so we would do other fabulous things that, so I think that's really been my personal. That's your why. That's your big why. Because I think he's a very well adjusted human being. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So that's, um, but you know, for business, um, that I'm still here. Well, you are definitely (laughs) still here. Um, That's that's for sure. It's, you know, because, you know, it's just, that, that I'm doing it. And you know, it's, what's interesting, Michael is, um, when I left my other company and went to compass, I had this resurgence of energy 
that I didn't know um, I would have. And so I'm growing my business in different ways that I didn't realize I would yeah. grow it. Um, I'm helping to launch uh, Nantucket Compass with yeah. Mary Beth Gilmartin. And that has been incredibly exciting because, you know, summer is a little bit, you know, quiet in Greenwich. So it won't take away from my Greenwich business. It will just yeah. add. Um, and so, you know, I'm just trying to do different things that, you know, someone might look at and say, how do you have time? Well, I don't know how you make time for all these things, but you just do if they're important to you. If you have passion for them. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. If you have passion for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so, uh, you know, it, it was, it's interesting because, you know, early on when I was so much younger in this business and if I had, uh, you know, a high profile person or, you know, a celebrity, you know, you just you go through this period of feeling really ex excited about it or a, a sports personality. Um, everyone to me is the same. They're all my clients and customers. They're all treated exactly the same. Um, I have a lot of stories that I can never tell because of all the NDAs <laughs> yeah. I've signed, you know, yeah. some pretty amazing people that I've worked with and, um, you, you, you just can't talk about them. You know, it's their lives. It's, it's, um, but I've had some amazing experiences, um, because I do deal with a lot of high profile, you know, high profile so people. I gotta, I gotta ask um, it. I had other questions, but I, I gotta ask it cause it's too, it's, People are going to listen and just want to know. So just take us to this, like the, the kind of the start of it all for you. So like, did you, getting to the point where you are now, did you start like a lot of other agents where, Hey, I just, I got my real estate license. I'm trying to understand how this works. I'm paying my dues, that kind of thing. Or mm -hmm. how did it start for you? You've been in the business mm -hmm. for a little while. You've had massive success. So people are going to want to know yeah. how it started. So, um, so when I, um, graduated from college, I thought I worked for all of six months in advertising and, um, and there was some, you know, instability in, in that yeah. because, um, they lost their account and that was kind of their business. And I thought, well, let me go into a more stable business, which is real estate, yeah, right. <laughs> which absolutely is not. But, um, but my father was a very big developer um, in Manhattan, you know, he did office buildings. Um, he did, you know, in the suburbs, he did, you know, communities down in Florida. Um, as he became older, he did single family homes, just custom homes. Um, and I actually thought I would be building. I thought I would get into the development. That's what I wanted to do. Um, and when I got into the market, so like in the early nineties, the market was so bad. It was so bad. And, um, I realized that I needed to stay in real estate selling because I couldn't risk any of my own money to do yeah. anything. And, um, you know, you hear these great stories of people putting down, you know, X amount of money and maybe making a little bit of a windfall, but I'm very conservative that way. And I just, although my husband doesn't think I'm conservative, but I am conservative, yeah. um, with, with regard to things like that, you know, so, um, but I, but I did, I wanted to get into the development. It wasn't the right time. It really never was the right time. So I have this background of construction and, you know, I did all these land development seminars um, when I started in my career. And I've, and I've said this, someone else years ago had interviewed me and I said, you know, I had all these land development. Here I was all of, you know, 25 years of age 
telling people twice my age, you know, how to buy land and develop it. Right. And um, what I would do is, you know, have a room at the Hyatt, which was um, a really small room and I'd have all these experts. And so I just had to introduce them. Um, basically, I would collect them all and they they did everything for me. Um, and then a year later, I had, you know, over 100 wow. people. Um, so I just I think you just try hard. It is so much hard work when you when you have to work and you want to make a success of your career, you just do yeah. it. You know, if I knew then what I know now um, and all the hard knocks of this business, I don't know. You know, it's it's a hard decision. I, I've had such great success, but it, you know, hasn't gone without, you know, a lot of stressful situations and times. Um, you know, there's no guarantee to this business. You know, although you're always making good money, and I do, I, I really do. I feel like you can make an amazing um, career out of out of real estate, and you can get into different areas of it. Um, you have to invest the time. You have to invest a lot of time of yourself. So was it, it when you got and treat you, people really well? Of course, of course, because uh, well, you're not going to get. You know, this business mm -hmm. is all about, especially in our yeah. market, it's all about who do you know and how you're treated and how they treat you. Um, and how, how you treat them, obviously the service. So right out of being, uh, getting out of uh, marketing and going into the real estate and being a daughter of a big developer, was it like, oh, here's $25 million listings every day? Did you, was it like that? No, no, no. Um, it, it wasn't, as a matter of fact. I mean, my first, um, my, my first deal was actually, it, it was a, a big deal, it was a $5 million deal. Um, and that was a lot of money then. Um, it was also a huge learning experience. And um, and I greatly appreciated that. And I think everyone thought, oh, l lucky her. Look at her, you know. And then it got really tough. So um, what got tough? Like I said, you might get, you know, one just just the, the market, the business. Oh, okay. You know, it's really, you know, as you know, like you're out there every day you're showing the markets aren't good. You know, what I did, um, you know, in the early nineties when nothing was selling, I started working with all of the banks. So, um, I was pregnant. They didn't even know that. Um, I was working with all the foreclosures mm -hmm. and I was going down to the town hall into the vault and literally going through, um, the land records as to, you know, what properties were, going to foreclosure, pre-foreclosure, nothing was on, you know, the internet. There, there was no common denominator of access to information. I had to sit down in that vault um, every day myself and wow. do it. So anything I've ever asked anyone to do, like who works with me, I, I've done it all myself. And you really need to. You need to learn, you know, how to do it. When the pandemic started, I wasn't, like all these tools that we have at Compass, I was up at night trying to figure them all out. Right. So, you know, because we didn't have to go into the office. We were some of the lucky ones. You know, we had the ability to get all this um, work done when we could. Right. But so I think, you know, given um, the different markets and the challenges and, you know, people coming into the business. And, and again, you do. You always want to keep your ethical integrity about you. And it is hard when I think the um, perception in our business is not always the best. You try to work harder to keep, right. you know, yourself at a high level of integrity. Right. Exactly.
So I mean, like, so so then you mm-hmm. that point in your career, you're you hit one. You have to hustle, and you're you're seeing, you know, okay, this this is going to be hard work, and you're not afraid of that. Um, when did no. you start to start to realize or start to snowball to like, oh, I'm I'm kind of getting because I'm sure you had something in your mind like that's the level I would like to achieve. I want to kind of get to that level. When did you start to see that kind of snowballing to where like, wow, I have something? And would you say? Would you say one of the biggest things was your network and your referral business and your being able to stay in touch with your agents, which you said that you almost become friends and family with a lot of these people. Is that really kind of the biggest way? Yes. Mm-hmm. So, um, so when I first started, I didn't have, you know, at such a young age, you don't have all these people who are buying, you know, these really expensive properties. Right. You just don't have that. Right. So what I really developed and I would go out and, um, and meet with attorneys estate attorneys, real estate attorneys, uh, with bankers, finance people. And at that time, really no one was doing that as much. And so a lot of my referral business came from professionals. Um, so their referral was really important. It was always a good, um, referral. And I also did, I did a lot of public open houses. You know, if you're at a public open house and you're representing a great property, people just like you a little bit more, you know, because you're representing this really great property when it's maybe not so nice, you know, people, people don't like you as much, right? So you want to maybe decide how you present yourself, but you know, that way you can go out and, and be in front of the public. Um, we used to have floor time for Collins. I never did that. Um, I just would have rather done a public open house. I did, seminars. I networked. I did a lot of networking with other brokers. You know, it's funny. A lot of people consider me to be extremely social, but I'm actually not that social um, because I prefer, you know, just to come home and be with my family more than anything else. Um, But you have to push yourself out of your comfort zone. And, you know, once you start doing you know, two things a week, it could be four things. You you just keep going and going, but you do have to pull back and recognize because you can't be everywhere. You can't be everything to everyone. And so when I do make a commitment to some of my, um, you know, listings and my clients, maybe I don't take out as many customers at that time, or I refer them to someone else. So I do, I I try to put a a realistic expectation on what I'm doing. Shelly, thank you again so much uh, for being on, even through some of the technical difficulties that we had on this podcast. We, uh, we got to learn so much about you and hear why you are one of the best in leaders of lifestyle and in real estate. Uh, again, thank you so much for being on. Can you let everybody know where they can uh, either find you, reach out to you, follow you on social, anything like that? If, if, if you could- oh, sure. Michael, thanks for having me. I've really enjoyed this. You're a great person to talk to, and I look forward to doing a a big deal with you soon. Any deal with you soon. Um, yes. I'm at, you can either find me at, um, at, uh, Shelly Treader Lynch at Instagram or, um, Shelly Treader Lynch.com for my, um, website. And my phone number is, uh, 203-550-8508. So, um, yeah, I'd love to help you if I can. And I really appreciate this. This has been really nice. I've enjoyed it. Well, Shelly, thank you so much for being here on with us. And everybody, until next time, Leaders of Lifestyle Podcast, Mike Ferraro. Take care.